All right, so. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Huh. Okay, I didn't. I didn't think about mine. My name is Alex. Uh, my bucket list would be uh, to to meet John Piper. Um, I don't know if anyone knows who John Piper is, but that's the thing. That's why I'm going to his college. Kind of, not really. And if I could be any animal, I would probably be a. Uh, What's a really fast animal? A cheetah. Yeah, there you go. Just to run fast and how cool that would be. All right. So, um, yeah, so we are doing Romans 1, 16 to 17. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read it, and it's going to be lit. So let's do it. <clears throat> God, thank you uh, that we can come together again after being away for a few weeks here. Um, and just continue to pursue you and your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that this would not just be uh, information just passed around, Lord, but that we would uh, be refreshed by this, uh, that we would be encouraged by this, Lord, that our eyes would be opened more to your gospel, um, to the hope of you, Lord. Uh, I pray that this would have benefits um, in all of our lives uh, for a long time to come. Just talking tonight about your word, God, and I thank you for who you are, and pray this in your name. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Okay. Um, so, let's see here. I'll have two people read, because it's two verses. It's only two verses here, but it's, it's, it's a bunch of stuff, a bunch of truth packed into two verses. Um, so... Miracle and Jack, you two, why don't you two fellas, uh, Jennifer and Jack, why don't you two um, read, uh, Jennifer, you can start with Romans 1, 16, and then Jack, Romans 1, 17. Okay. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe, to the, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the gospel, um, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, uh, the righteous will live by faith. Mm. What translation do you have? Uh, cool. Okay. Um, so we're going to flip this around, and we're going to do, we're going to talk about verse 17 first, and then talk about verse 16. Because... Verse 17 shares, when I said, so I texted all y'all, and I said, it's the most important sentence ever written, dude. It's going to be huge, right? And so what I meant was a lot of us know, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, unashamed, yeah. Like that's an awesome verse. But I actually meant... Um, one of the most important sentences ever written is the righteous, righteous shall live by faith. That's the sentence that I meant. I meant. So we're going to look at that first. Um, and because that's like the gospel right there. That's an insane, huge, powerful, profound revelation of what the gospel is. Um, so we're going to look at that. And then we're going to look at 116 because 116 is a response to the gospel, like, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, right? So, that's what we're going to do. Um, so, last week, 
we not last week at all last time we met um we we talked about actually the first time we met the intro to the chapter verses like one through seven we talked a lot about the gospel right so i want to ask just to start off and it's going to be one of my most important questions this whole time we go through romans because it's one of the most important questions in romans is what is the gospel so i'll start by asking that we talked about it a bunch the first few times um, but I want to see uh, what where you guys come from just the simple what is the gospel like what does that word mean to you so has anyone got their personal insight on what the gospel is Jesus's diary Jesus's diary what do you mean by that ah oh do you mean like Matthew Mark Luke and John yeah. okay okay Okay. Any so, what about like the good news, the hope of the Christian message? So there's the Gospels, which tell like the story of Jesus's life on Earth, and then there's the Gospel, which is like the core message of Christianity. Like if Christianity had a billboard and it could only say one thing, like what would what's Christianity's message all about? Does anyone have thoughts? That's the Gospel which means the good news. What's the good news in Christianity? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good news. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's what Paul is talking about here, right? So, he says in verse 17, right, because that's what we're starting with, in it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. By in it, he means in the gospel. So in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. So um, we know that God is perfect. We know that God is righteous. He's holy. He's like way above us. He's just like you can't even come close to him in his perfection. Um and we know that we are sinful, right? We've rebelled against God. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We've messed up. So what's the, what's the problem with that? Like, if that's the case, is, what is the problem there in that situation? We have a perfect holy God, and we are an imperfect, unholy people. What's the issue there? Yeah, we, God, if God is good, he has to punish sin, right? If God is good, he has to punish your sin. It has to be punished. There, no one has ever sinned. No one has ever 
lied. No one has ever thought an evil thought in their heart that won't be punished by God, right? Everything is punished by God in some way because he's good. He doesn't just let evil slide, right? And so for us, that's a huge problem because we that puts us in a bad place. That means we all have to be punished for our sin, even just one sin that we commit. It's so horrible and heinous to God that he has to punish it. Uh, and so because of that, we need... We need a savior. Like we need justification. Um, do you? Who's familiar with the term justification in here? Justification. Anyone? Does anyone? Does anyone feel like they have a solid understanding of what justification is? Okay. Cool. Well, hopefully after today we will, because that's what we're talking about. Justification. Um, so. Here's, here's setting this all up, right? This is crucial because I always say that when we're thinking about the gospel, when we're thinking about Christianity, it's, and we're thinking about our sin, it's like it's a two-step process where, number one, you look inward at yourself and your sinfulness, and you see how horrible it is. If you don't think you're all that bad, if you think, yeah, I'm a pretty good person, you know, I'm not as bad as them, then you don't understand, like, how horribly sinful you are compared to God. So it's looking inward, and then it's looking outside of yourself to the cross, to God, to Jesus, to his love, in spite of who you are, in spite of your sin. So the problem is that we, have, we are sinners, and that means we should and we need to be punished, right? And so what we need is perfection. God's standard is perfection. It's nothing less. You can't be 99% good and 1% bad. You, it has to be perfection. So we need a perfect replacement, right? We need some sort of perfection to fill that place. So this, this verse 17 talks about the righteousness of God. What is, does anyone have... Any thoughts on what righteousness means? Like, what, what is righteousness? Yes. Righteousness is being right with God. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's one. Hmm. Being right with God. So I would say righteousness is anything that conforms to the character of God. Um, so it's anything morally pure. Whatever God does, that's righteousness. Um, so you gave the definition of justification, which, which means being right with God, being made right with God, So, which we'll get to. Um, so just, what, okay, I'll get to it now. Justification, it means, um, so when you say like, say I flip this table up over here, Say all of you were just, I don't know, calling me names and you're throwing, you're ripping out pages in your Bible, crumpling them up and throwing them at me. Say I toss this table here. I, I might then say when like people like, why'd you do that? That was crazy. I might say I was justified. Like I, that means I was justified to do what I did. I have every right to do what I did. There was a reason for my response, which is saying, I shouldn't be in trouble for what I did, basically. So to be justified is to be innocent, 
right? To not be guilty. So when you're just, you are like a just judge is someone who makes decisions, a judge who makes decisions that no one can be like, that was bad or that was terrible. It's, it's perfect and good. So we are all guilty standing before God and we need justification, meaning we need to be declared innocent somehow, some way. That's what justification means. And that is, that's like the center of the gospel. That's what, you guys know Martin Luther? Who knows Martin Luther? He nailed the theses to the door. Justification was the center of everything that made him like um, rebel against the Roman Catholic Church. Even though at the time he was just trying to improve it, but eventually he had to leave it because um, he recognized that they had a bad view of justification. So it's like huge. If we don't understand justification, this is big. If you don't understand justification, then you don't understand the gospel, right? Just because you don't, you didn't know the word doesn't mean you don't understand the gospel. But if you misunderstand it, you don't understand the gospel. Because a lot of people think it's by works that you're made right with God. Or it's by praying hard enough that you're made right with God. But it's not. So, and we're going to look at what it is about. So righteousness is like perfect, like we were get, going all the way back to what I was saying. It's perfect um, alignment with with God, his character, right? So, um, so the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, um, people say like that is where love met justice, right? So yeah, the love of Christ, like, like um, who was saying, one of you was saying, you were saying that thing about Jesus loving us. That's the gospel. So the, with the cross, you have Jesus on the cross loving sinners so much that he would die for them but it wasn't it wasn't just like this is important jesus he came he was like perfect he was totally perfect and he died on the cross he was beaten he was punched in the face spit on hung on a cross bled and died for us but it wasn't it wasn't just People have an idea of the cross that it was a powerful act of love. That's what it was. Like it was just him showing his love on the cross and that's what made us, that's what gave us the chance of salvation. It was a powerful act of love, but that's not all it was. What The biggest point of the cross is that Jesus was your substitute. He was your substitute, right? You were supposed to die on that cross because of your sin. You were supposed to have God's wrath poured out right? But Jesus received that wrath anyway on the cross, and it was his love. So God, okay, this is a lot. I'm just like dumping out on you here. But um, so God had to punish sin. He had to punish your sin. And the reason that you can be with God forever and eternity and not be punished for your sin is because Jesus was punished for your sin on that cross. And so God's justice against, like I said, every sin has to be punished. Every single sin. So the reason that your sin, if you're a Christian, is not going to be punished um, by you being punished is because Jesus was punished for you. He was the substitute, right? So on that cross, it wasn't just like only showing love for us, but it was dying for us, literally our substitute, where 
God poured out wrath on him instead, right? So, um, here, so here's the verse. Like I said, the most what I, what I think is one of the most important verses that you could ever you could ever get. Like if you get this verse, um, it'll change your life. Right here, this verse that says, "The righteous shall live by faith." All right, and ultimately, like a lot of commentators they say that the whole book of Romans is about this sentence like Paul says this one sentence the righteous shall live by faith and then all the rest of the book just explains that sentence right so this is it's the it's a huge part um, so we talked about righteousness being in alignment with God's character and justification being innocent right of all your sin and so how does how does that happen according to this verse how are we made how are we innocent according to verse 17 because Paul gives the answer it's a cheat sheet for our justification how are we justified the word justification isn't in there but yeah yes right because it says, shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. So if you, is it dead or something? Uh, no. uh, okay. Sorry, I'm easily distracted. Um, so you need to be righteous and you're not righteous, right? Again, that's a problem. Every other religion in the world, every, even so often a lot of people who claim to be Christians are like Christian preachers. Their answer is like, do this, do that, 10 steps to living more like God. Um, I don't know. And I, there's all sorts of religions like Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, um, that are all telling you, you need to do this and do that. Catholicism, um, do this. Did any, you grew up in a Catholic background. Did anyone grow up in a Catholic background? You grew up in a Catholic background. Um, and so this verse is like a beautiful, it's like no other religion has a verse like this, has a truth like this. And that should be the, the most encouraging thing for us is that um, Jesus was perfect for you. All right, he was righteous. He was the righteous one. And so the way that you earn favor with God is not by continuing to pray harder. It's not by reading your Bible more. It's not by going to church more. It's like if you miss church, God isn't like taking points off of your salvation chart. You are righteous only because of Jesus. And what we do is we say, yeah, amen. All right, now I got to do this, 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 that, that. But it's like, no, you are righteous because of Jesus, period. And that's it. Nothing more. He changes you. You know, like, he will change you. He'll change your heart. He'll make you more like him. Um, but we don't, we don't do harder things to earn that justification, right? So remember, that's an important thing. Justification. That's being innocent. When you walk into the courtroom of God which all of you will, and I will, everyone in this college will, 
walk into the courtroom of God one day on Judgment Day, and they'll have to have a reason why they should stay in the presence of God. And for you, you, you need to be sure that your reason is Jesus and Jesus alone, that his death paid for your sin, and that it's not, well, I, I, you know, I went to church enough, or I, I did this, or I did that. It's only Jesus. And, and that's it. Like, so, that plays out in our life because we all know this in our head, right? We know that Jesus died for my sins and it's just him. I'm not saved by works. But um, we, I say this a lot, but you so often will, um, will like live your life knowing that truth but then trying to do good enough to stay in God's love or stay in God's grace. And when you fail, when you sin, can I get an amen? Does anyone feel that? Anyone? Like you, when you sin, you feel like you've lost connection with God or you lost God's favor. Can I get a raising of hands if anyone is, because I write, I'll raise two hands, okay? I've felt that. Where you mess up, you fail, you sin, and you feel like God doesn't love you the same. And this verse right here, okay, the most one of the most important sentences ever written, says, you will live by faith. Your righteousness is by faith. It is not by your works. And what I'm, so what I'm trying to emphasize is that um, if, you, if you want to walk in freedom, if you want to walk in hope, like not just buzzwords, freedom, hope, love, but if you want to actually like be free of burden and like guilt and condemnation in your life, walking around defeated, like, yeah, God is good, but I'm just having a horrible life. I'm just really bad. And there's time for sorrow. There's time for hurt. Like, it's true. But we should walk in a measure of, like, victory because Jesus is our victory, right? So here's a a term for you, all right? It's called alien righteousness or forensic. It's kind of weird, alien righteousness. But that's what theologians call it, forensic righteousness. It's a righteousness outside of yourself. Every religion in the world tells you you need to have a righteousness, a moral excellence, purity, inside of you. You need to have a a moral purity in you. You need to be working, doing good things, um, and then building up your holiness level or your righteousness level. Christianity teaches external righteousness um, alien righteousness that's outside of you and that's Jesus' righteousness so the hope that you have is nothing in you, no righteousness in you anything good this is important, I always say this is important when things are important, but that's because they're important so anything righteous in you, anything good in you be careful never to stand on that and be like now I'm doing good because you'll so easily fall. If, if, you're, if your confidence is based on the goodness in you, then one week you're going to be confident, and then the next week you're going to be, um, oh, I'm having a terrible week, I'm doing really bad. Next week you're going to be like, yeah, I'm doing better, I read my Bible this morning, and I uh, prayed a lot. And that's a, it's not a good way to live. If, you, if your confidence is in the righteousness of Jesus, 
he wasn't like this, so you won't have to be like this either. Right? You can you can rest in him. And that's why we need we have to trust in the external righteousness outside of us. Okay? Um so that's like I said, very important. It's about Jesus' righteousness, not ours. Can someone turn to Ephesians two, please, for me and read it? Would anyone be so willing and so kind? We're almost done actually, man. I didn't have a I didn't have a big thing for y'all. Yeah, bro. I'm going to get to the other parts of the verses, but... Oh, no, no, not a feat, the whole chapter, sorry. I thought you were talking about something else. Ephesians 2, 8 through, 8 through 9. Classic, something we just talked about yesterday. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one could boast. Amen. Can someone turn to Romans three twenty four? Hmm. Yeah, Romans 3.24. Maybe read the verse before that. Cause it, yeah. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by grace and fail. What's up, Mike? Okay. Sorry. No, that's all right. Can you, sorry, can you re- repeat that, Donovan? Nice and loud. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace and so there's the word justified, like we're saying. Let me repeat it, because things are best remembered when they're repeated. Justification. When you, having being guilty inside of you, totally guilty with sin in you, are declared innocent in spite of you, right? That's weird. Like, if you were to go into a courtroom, you're to sit there and watch, and some crazy psycho murderer was standing there and the judge said you know what you're innocent you'd be like are you kidding me like this guy's not innocent like he should go to jail um and if you didn't have the full details you'd be freaking out but come maybe you'd come to find out that someone took that crazy psycho murderer's place and became guilty for them that's what jesus did that's what justification is so you who whose sin is just as ugly in the eyes of God as a crazy psycho murderer's sin, you get to go free in the presence of God by faith because Jesus was punished for you. That's what justification is. Like, I keep emphasizing it because if you notice, you don't do anything. You don't do anything to get justified. Like, it's it's nothing in you, nothing good in you, right? And that's what you just read. It's by grace, sheer grace of God, that that happens. Okay, last one at this moment. Galatians 2.16. Can someone graciously turn to Galatians 2? Read me this passage. Galatians 2.16. This is just re-emphasizing how we're justified. 16. Um, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus, that we may be justified, justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law no one will be justified. Amen. A lot of churches, they try, they, they like think, okay, 
the gospel. Yeah, yeah, we get that. Jesus dying, whatever. Let's talk about the end times. Let's let's spend all of our time just talk about the end. That's cool, right? Which is all important things. But we have to keep going back to the gospel. Because it's funny, when I um, started this Bible study, I, I didn't realize how we need to know the gospel, I guess I'll say. Like, we need to just know the core of the gospel. And so, if you never think, like, all right, we're moving on past the gospel, you have to realize that what Jesus did, like, if you always go back to that for the rest of your life, you're never going to go wrong. Every situation you get yourself into, the gospel, you have to apply the gospel to it. Every question you have, every... Um, decision you're going to make in life every everything anyone says to you like the gospel needs to apply to it the gospel that Jesus took your place and that by faith in him you're saved totally by his grace he changes your heart um, to give you even the faith that you have so that's why I'm continually talking about like the total grace that it is does anyone have questions at this point any thoughts any one totally disagree with everything I'm saying. Anything at all? Any concerns? Okay. If not, then we'll move right along. Um, okay. One more thing before I move on is... Uh, some some idea that I I grew up in a lot is what's called decisionism. I, when I define things, I'm going to do that from now on. Um, it's called decisionism, which is kind of a weak term. It's probably a better one. But it's the idea that all it takes to be a Christian is you make a decision at one point in your life. Is that for me it was... You prayed a prayer when you were seven years old. You're saved, right? I prayed, Jesus. I don't even remember what I prayed, but it's like, save me. I don't know. Or like, make me a Christian and whatever. Like, <laughs> some people, you know, it's like, all right, I'm living for Jesus now. I'm going to live my life for Jesus. Like, that's it, whatever. And you think, it's just a decision. All right, you're on board with Christianity. Maybe you heard like an apologetics speech or someone give evidence for Christianity and people were like, it makes sense. All right, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I think that's true. Um, but the truth is, is that no one is saved based on a decision. Okay? No one is saved based on a decision. We're saved by faith. That through grace, by grace through faith, by the work of Jesus Christ. Right? Because if you, if you get in by a decision, then you'll be getting out by a decision too. Okay? If you get in by a decision, then you're going to be out by a decision. And there are so many times that I make decisions against God. It's called sin, right? And if it, if it wasn't by grace, if it wasn't by what Jesus already did, then every sin of mine would be, I'd be losing my salvation like every day. So your faith, is, it's not based on like, I'm choosing Jesus today. Or, like, I prayed a prayer when I was 10 years old or something. It's based on the grace of God working in you 
by what Jesus did on the cross to keep you trusting and believing in him and changing you to be more like him. And again, there's not a lot of you involved in this. Like you're, you're receiving this grace and you're acting out of it. Like you're doing good works. The Bible says like there's, there's standards. Like if Christians are just hating each other and killing people and, you know, cursing all the time, they're probably not a Christian. But at the same time, this is all a gift from God. Your salvation is totally from God and that should leave us speechless it should leave us in awe, and then once, once we're not so speechless anymore, we should be worshiping, praising, and then it leads us to verse 16, um, which we get into right now. Can someone read that again, um, just to reemphasize that? Jared, yeah, our, our Australian friend. We all only use the e- <laughs> the ESV. We are ESV only. Yes. Oh, really? Just kidding. No. Okay, no. The NASB. Heretic. Just kidding. Yes. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified Whoa. by... Whoa. Wait, wait, wait. Romans 1.16? Oh, I'm reading Galatians. Sorry. That's all right. Romans <laughs> 1.16. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're tough, yeah. <laughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hmm. Okay. So, last week, how many of you all heard that recording that I did? Did anyone listen to that recording? Praise the Lord. Okay, you, I'm not going to be upset if you didn't, <laughs> but check it out if you can. Um, it was just me talking to my mic. <laughs> me in my room, just talking to the mic. Um, but we talked about verse 8 through 15. And Paul says in those verses, I am under obligation to the Jews and to, or to the Greeks and to the barbarians. He says, I'm under obligation to preach to them. And he also says in verse 15, I'm eager to preach the gospel. Right? And then this verse says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And that's very different from a lot of our church culture today. And like we just talked about the gospel bit, justification, that Jesus paid it all. He lived the life you could never live. He died the death you deserve to die. Um, He became your righteousness so that when you trust in him, um, you have perfection because Christ was perfect. And yet, like insanely amazing news like that, like, okay, you would be in hell if Jesus didn't do what he did, right? I would be every day, think about for 24 hours, just suffering, like, in hell, and how horrible that would be, right? And eternity, like, it's not just 24 hours, but it's forever, with no end. Tomorrow's the same. The next day's the same. The week after that, it's the same. And there's it just doesn't end. We're, we have, we're used to things ending. Like our suffering ends here on earth. But that never does. Like that's... It's hard to wrap your mind around that. So the fact that Jesus didn't have to. Like God could have left us all hopeless. And he didn't. Out of mercy and love and grace. 
Jesus came and he died for us as a substitute. And not only did he do that, but he actually chose you in this room who are a Christian. He like pulled you out of the world when he could have chosen other people in the school, whatever, praying that he does. But he chose you. He said, I'm setting you apart. I'm like, for no reason that you have in yourself. You're not special, like you're not glowing and everyone else is dark. Like, I'm gonna make you glow. I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna put my light in you. That's, like if you really wrap your mind around that, you could spend your whole life in awe of that truth, that God did that for you. And so, um, it's, it's sad. But Paul says, I'm, I'm bound to preach this gospel. I'm eager to preach it. I'm not ashamed to preach it. And today, so often, people are like, um, I'm, I have the liberty not to preach the gospel. Like, I'm free to not preach the gospel. You know, I don't have to preach the gospel. I don't have to go share the gospel with people. You're just being, like, legalistic, telling me I should preach the gospel. Or that's for missionaries to do. You know, missionaries can go and preach the gospel but you know that's a little extreme i'm scared to do it or i'm ashamed of doing it what will people think of me if i tell them they're wrong because what you're doing when you share the gospel is you're saying hey everything you believe about life is wrong and let me tell you what's right that's what you're doing if you do it right like you do it in love you don't just come up to them and say hi you're wrong i'm right let's talk you you do it in love Right, But if you get to the core of the message, what you're saying is you're wrong. Not only are you wrong, but what you believe is going to bring you to hell. I'm right only because God has revealed this to me and I have the truth that I want to share with you in love. And that's what you're doing. Um, so I guess I want to ask. Like it's, it's always good to put things in the form of a question. Is that are you ashamed of the gospel like are you do you feel like you're confident in the gospel where you just feel comfortable telling other people about it and it is difficult it's difficult for me to share the gospel with people it's difficult for pastors sometimes to do it too Um, but is that difficulty an obstacle that you don't think is worth fighting to run past is it just like that's hard. I'm not going to go for it. Right? Because like, like we're just talking about what justification is. That beautiful truth that I've, I've, I've defined it so many times I won't, I won't again. Um, but like other people, people outside of those doors are not justified before God. They stand guilty right now before God. And for us in this room, if we're ashamed of this gospel, um, to a degree, like we are it's like hateful to people if we if we don't share this truth with them because we, we're keeping it in ourselves and not sharing it to others Romans 10 Paul says how will they believe if they have not heard and that's it's interesting because God doesn't just like float down Jesus doesn't just float down in front of someone and tell them the gospel to save them and then go back up and they get saved He says, you, go and make disciples. You, human being, you go and make disciples. You know? And it spreads like, it spreads because you share the gospel. That's how it spreads. Not by God coming down 
you know, but he does it through you. And so um, we, we often think like sharing the gospel is the cherry on top of the Christian life. Like that's for the people who have it all together. Um, but everyone, every one of you in this room is commanded by God to share the gospel. Like commanded. It's not like do this, but you know, if you don't, whatever. It's like, no, go and make disciples, right? So, um, okay, that's, that's all the notes I have on this. But, yeah, um, in summary, do you have any questions? Does anyone have questions or thoughts at all? Any, maybe not even a question, just something to share, exhortation for people. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, so fear of someone who seems like they really know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, to be honest, um, I think of my own life, and when I've had fear like that. And I think the truth is, is that the reason, the reason people so often have that fear is because they're not all that sure. They're not all that sure that what they believe is true. You know? So if this building, if this building was burning down and you were adamantly sitting here saying it's not burning down. Say I went to the bathroom, right? And there's just flames like engulfing this building, but just outside of here. I come back in. I'm like, yo, this building is burning down. We need to get out. And you're all like, thinking I'm joking or something, making jokes about California or whatever. I don't know. And I'm like, no, this building is burning down. You guys need to get out of here. I saw it with my own eyes. And I know what's true, even though y'all are crazy in here. But you're adamantly, like, you believe, no, it's not burning down. Because I know for a fact what I saw, I'm going to be like, no, like, it's burning. And so uh, if I believe that this is truly true, that it's really real, that these things actually happen, I don't care if you get Richard Dawkins or whoever, like, they're wrong. You know, no matter how well or eloquently they can put their atheist position or Muslim position, they're wrong. And if you, if you aren't, like, strongly convinced in this, then you might not share the gospel with people because um, you, don't, you don't often tell someone something that you hardly believe yourself, at least with confidence, you know. So I would say you, you asked for practical steps. So... Um, Pray for God to reveal how true this is. Like, um, spend time really examining whether you really believe this book or not. Like, that's what changed my life was seeing that this is true, that this book is true. Um, Examine if you live like this is true. If you open this book up and you're like, every word in this is true and I want to believe it and I want to live by it. And once you start doing that, 
then people can come to you with the craziest ideas and whatever atheist whatever belief it is and it's you just know it's all wrong you know um now in terms of like even if we just even if a stranger's walking by and we have to and someone says hey go tell them i don't know that i'm gonna i can't think of an example what i'm trying to say is that it's hard just naturally for a lot of people to talk to strangers even if they're not sharing the gospel so i would say for me and my experience is that taking that first step to just talk to someone to just break the ice of your um, fear is gonna do huge things if you're thinking right now like uh, I'm too, I'm, I have fear to preach the gospel or, or maybe scared to do that that's natural and like everyone has that to one degree or another but if you want to overcome that which you should because Jesus commands us to share the gospel just tell someone about it just start somewhere it's going to be hard take that step trust in Jesus know that he's with you he gave the command make disciples but when he gave it he said I will be with you to the end of the age so he gave that tough command, but he didn't give it to us without himself. Like, he's with you doing that. And so when you, when you make that, take that step and you share it with someone, the next time is going to be easier. The next time after that is going to be easier. Because it's just, I don't know, it's just how it works. Yeah. You know? So that's my thoughts. How do you share the gospel without it sounding like you're just trying to get out something really quick. You know, some of you have a short opportunity mm. and you have to really kind of like use that opportunity wisely. Mm. Like, the importance of building the relationship or just to get the gospel in because they might get hit by a bus is not... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm impressed with the few things sometimes. Like, mm. A lot of people say, I hate it. They, they like condemn street preaching or giving tracts out to people because they say you should build relationships with people to share the gospel. It's like, it's apples and oranges. It's like, yeah, why don't you do both, you know? Um, so in some ways, it's important to build a relationship with someone, you know, because you want them to know that you care first. But sometimes, so that, that could be in the context of three years you have with them, right? You shouldn't wait till the second year to share the gospel. Yeah. You know, that's just calling relationship building yeah. or calling fear relationship building. Um, but sometimes it's in the context of 20 minutes or five minutes, you know? So you have to, it just expands it. So you're building relationship and sharing the gospel now you bring it down to 20 minutes. You're building relationship and sharing the gospel in 20 minutes. And um, sometimes all it is is asking their name. Like, hey, man, what's your name? Uh, Tom. Sweet, man. Hey, um, you know, I, I, I believe in God. You know, like, I really believe that God can change people's lives. Is there anything I can pray for you about at all? Um, no, really, I, I, don't, I don't really believe in prayer. Well, you know, I, I mean... Um, I think God is real, and if you if you, like, I don't have you don't have to stay here or keep listening to me talk, but I just want to tell you like that, um, 
that Jesus died for your sin, you know, and that he made a way for you and that with, with your sin, because you've broken the law, um, that you can't have relationship with God without that and that you need a savior. Um, so in that like 10 seconds, he heard that I cared. Whether he believes it or not, I don't know. But at least knows that I, I want the best for him, you know. So sometimes it's, it's just a quick something. I'm glad that's me. If not you, then who? Mm. Yeah. I'm always ashamed of I'm sure someone else is ashamed of us to listen. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that someone else will be saying the same thing, you know, so often. Also, sharing the gospel. If you share the gospel with someone on this campus, that's going to make you really, really happy. I'm just going to say that. If you're a Christian, if God is in you, then sharing the gospel with another person on this campus, that's going to make your day really good. I'm just going to say that. And even if they say, no, that's stupid. Might have to do some heart work because that might hurt the ego, you know? But ultimately, like, it just feels really good to share the gospel with someone because it's, it's like, that's what they need most. And you know what it's called? It's called love. It feels good to love someone else. When you share the most important thing they could ever hear, it's called love. And it's unloving to withhold from someone the most important thing that they could ever hear, you know? So, it's a good thing to share the gospel. Some of my, like, most joy-filled moments was coming home after sharing the gospel with some random dude on Genesee Street. Like, just so happy with God. More than preaching a great sermon, more than, whatever, reading my Bible for a long time. Just after just telling someone about Jesus in Walmart, it's like, that just, it just feels great. God is good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you might see amazing things, like someone actually changing their life and getting saved, you know. So, absolutely you can. Then, then there's a problem there. <laughs> you know. I would say I go that hard, but like I yeah. get louder. I talk faster. I uh, I use my hands a lot. You know. Love it. Mm. So how do you alienate them by doing that? Most people feel like I'm angry or upset. You preach them, at them. Yeah. Them having conversations. Yeah. And just not what I'm doing. I'm just mm. getting overly passionate. Mm. Yeah. I don't mm. know how to like tone that mm. down. I wish I could see it in action. Because that's a hard question to answer. See, the, the reason it's hard, the reason that's hard to answer is because I have a strong conviction that um, the tone you use should match the, the greatness of what you're talking about. Because if I was just like, so guys, today we're talking about God. God is, God is great. You know, that'd be ridiculous. Like, I'd be mocking God by doing that. But, like, we should get into it. Like, my man Ray Farinella, I always, when I think of stuff like that, I think of Ray Farinella. It's like, dude, like, 
it's so awesome, man. The Jesus, what he did for us, it's so great. And I'm just like, I love this dude. And here's the thing. People are going to be, people might be offended by how you say something. If it's the gospel, people are probably going to be offended by what you say. And you can't, you can't be like, well, I need to change that up. You, you, you do what you do because scripture says what it says. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> typically, I don't really care if you get offended. Totally. So you're like, whatever. Yep. Your problem. Yeah. But uh, I is oh dang, I completely forgot what I was saying. Oh, it's oh dang, I completely forgot what I was saying. Your passion is it about your passion? It's different. Or? Nah. Okay, so I'm gonna like go to a situation that happened over Thanksgiving. Let's do it. Uh, one of my cousins. Not believe in God at all. Doesn't even believe he exists. And we got into a whole well, we didn't get into a discussion with him. We got into a discussion with him about like how how it's got real, mm-hmm. all this stuff. I personally refrained from getting into the conversation because like I knew I would be like overzealous mm. and like, it would have made the situation way worse. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's in my in my head I'm like thinking to myself if I actually said something, it may have had a change of heart, you know, uh, God might have worked in him, mm. but in the same avenue, I might have, mm. if I said something, mm. I might have pushed him more away from God mm. because of how I reacted mm. to what he was saying. Okay. Okay, I'm kind of seeing what you mean more now. So it's like, uh, and if you, if you have to leave for some reason, don't worry about it, um, you can. But... Okay, it's like, uh, is it almost more frustration with the other person? It comes off as like you're frustrated yeah. with them for not yeah. believing what you believe? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, I, I see where you're coming from now. Um, I, I think that just takes like loving the other person. Like seeing, seeing that you were that same person at one point in your life. Um, and that... They're, they're not going to be won by, like, you getting frustrated at them. Like, they're, they're not the problem. Like, you, their hearts are their own problem, but it's not, like, your problem. It, should, it shouldn't be frustrating that they don't believe in God to you. It should be, like, it should be just an opportunity for you to show them the love of Christ. You know, like, the passion shouldn't be, like, Dude, you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, getting angry and try to like punch him, throw fists. It should be like, dude, like God is so amazing. Like, I don't know, but like my life, I've just seen him do this and this and this. So there's passion in it, but it's a different kind of passion. You know, that's why I guess I was confused when you were talking about passion. Um, but yeah, like the the person. Too many people get in like debates and arguments and fights, like debating the existence of God. It's it's important, but so often that becomes just like, what is your aim? You have to ask yourself, what is your aim in this debate? Is it for the other person to say God is real? Or is it for their heart to change and love Jesus Christ and get saved? Because so often people are just like, they just want people to believe God is real. And so they bring out the arguments. They're like, well, God, God, uh, the prophecies in this book, in this book, you have to, and they're getting upset. And they don't realize that they're, by their tone and their, the way they're treating the other person, they're saying God isn't real. 
because I believe in Jesus, but I'm acting this way towards you like you're an idiot. I'm treating you like an idiot. They're saying God isn't real as they say God is real. And so what we need to do is say God is real and like love like God is real too. Communicate it in what we say and how we say it too. You know, so I would, I would test like what your goal is. It's not just to get them to affirm truths. Like, yeah, okay, that's true, that's true, that's true. It's for their life to change. It's for their heart to change. And the way they see that in you is to see the love of Christ in how you say the truth, you know. And I, man, I, I, so I was the same way. Like, when I first got saved, I was like, yeah, I want to tell everyone about Jesus. I want to prove everyone wrong. But you realize how you just get in endless arguments and debates and fights and Things change when you do things in love with the truth. Does that is that more getting towards what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Any other thoughts or questions about justification or evangelism? If not, when it seems it seems like not, I will pray and we'll be done. God, I thank you um, for your free gospel um, that like no other religion in the world uh, where we have to strive and try hard enough to earn your grace and your favor. Um, Lord, that you, you paid it all in spite of us. You paid it all when we would rebel against you. You paid it all, Lord, when even after being saved, we would sin against you. Um, but Jesus, we can look to you when we sin and know that by faith we have hope in you. Not by our works, not by just doing better, um, but just by trusting in you and knowing that you are enough for our salvation. And I thank you, God, that that is the way you did it. It shows just your grace and your mercy towards us, God. Uh, Lord, I pray because of that gospel, because of the beauty of that gospel, Lord, that we would be challenged, myself included, to be eager to share it, Lord, to feel like we're obligated to share it, to feel unashamed about it. Um, Lord, I pray that everyone in this room would just have a Holy Spirit power and boldness to go out onto this campus, Lord, and share the gospel. Lord, I pray that they would not believe that these kids are living the best lifestyle that they could live. I pray they wouldn't believe the lie that um, other students on this campus are doing okay. But God, I pray that we would really believe that they're lost. Lord, that we would really believe that they're hopeless. That we would really believe that without you, they have only hell for eternity. And God, that that would weigh on us and cause us to go and share the gospel with people, Lord to trust in you, to know that even if they, I'm mocked, even if people think I'm insane, that um, I'm honoring you, I'm speaking the truth, and there will be rewards in heaven for eternity. And Lord, that you will work with um, our evangelism, that you, your Holy Spirit will empower us um, and can change lives just through one word spoken to someone else. God, we thank you for your power. Um, in this uh, sharing of the gospel, Lord. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.